0: We've been bought with a price. We know that from Scripture. But Pastor Ray Bentley says it's not only that we belong to the Lord, it's all we have and all we are.
1: Everything that we have is from the Lord, It's given from the Lord. Sometimes we forget. We thought it was ours, but in fact, it's the Lord's. Whatever we have been given is a gift. Do you use that gift for God's glory or do you use it for your own?
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Little kids learn the word mine pretty early. This toy, mine. That toy, mine. Adults, they know that concept too, but pronounce it litigation. Today, Pastor Ray shows us an eternal view of what we have. He shows us what we really have belongs to who has us.
1: Let's open our Bibles to the book of James, chapter five. My favorite book in the entire Bible, James, love James. We're gonna look at verses one through nine. Well, let's pray. Father, we just come before you and thank you for the book of James. We pray that the church might hear what the Spirit says to our hearts today. And I pray that you will help me, Holy Spirit. I believe that this message is so absolutely timely. It is exactly what we need to hear for such a time as this. May we receive it, may we hear it, may it be life to us and bread for us and strengthen us in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. James chapter 5 is going to talk, it's kind of an exhortation to his generation about the misuse of some of those who were wealthy and the misuse of their money and that they were using it for their own personal gain. I believe that he was not so much focused at this point just on the little probably house church, but that this moment James, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, lifted his eyes to the horizon and was talking prophetically to the entire Jewish nation at that time. And, uh, you know, there's a... He's going to talk about our hearts, he's going to talk about what we really love, do we love God, or do we really love money. And uh, you know, there's an old saying, there's a well-known comedian that once said, you know, they say, the saying is that money talks. He goes, well, if money talks, all it ever says to me is goodbye. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but uh, we probably all feel that to some degree or another. But James is not talking about those who struggle financially. He is talking about those who are wealthy and yet who were sinful in their wealth and their riches. Again I believe that James is now prophesying and, and I believe that his prophetic words fit our time because the patterns are to me very similar. He's talking to his Jewish brothers and sisters and warning the nation of Israel at this time. He is warning them because the people's hearts had drifted away from the Lord God. They were to reveal Him. They were to honor Him. They were to glorify Him. They were chosen to be set apart. Uh, They were God's chosen people, not that God would end with them. But God's design from his promise through Abraham was that through them being chosen, others would be uh, drawn to follow them and fall in love with our Father in heaven and through his Son, Jesus Christ, and they too would become chosen of God from every nation and every language and every color and every kindred and every tribe. God wanted a huge family from all the nations of the whole world. But they had long ago left in their hearts the love of God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and fallen in love with riches. They'd slowly degenerated until now they were actually overrun and overpowered by an empire called the Roman Empire that worshiped a man named Caesar as if he were God. And they set themselves apart as much as they could. But many of them, rather than calling upon the name of the Lord and, and seeking Him, were actually in love with money. They were looking after themselves. They were living selfishly. And they were not that bright light or that shiny city upon a hill. They were not set apart. They were not holy. And they were not leading the men and women of the world to the Lord God. And the trouble was, and James feels it, and you're going to hear it in these first nine verses. James. Is speaking prophetically, he is speaking passionately, he is warning them, he is saying judgment is just around the corner. You have lost your unique calling and your unique purpose. And yet through James, we feel this tremendous love, God calling his people back. Only a remnant would respond. But I believe even today, God is calling our world back unto himself. There are two themes that are developed here. Number one, trouble. James says, we as a nation of Israel are in trouble. And the forecast for the future is more trouble ahead. The second theme he develops after trouble is, therefore the response, we need to pray. We of all people need to pray. We need to dig deep with God. We need to grab hold of the horns of the altar and call upon the name of the Lord that he will have mercy upon us and upon our children and this generation, and return to him. And um, now let me from the beginning, before I begin reading the first three verses, say that James is not saying that to be wealthy is sinful. In fact, I put this in your notes. Look how many of God's faithful servants were wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. David was wealthy. Josiah, Philemon, Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy and was his tomb, the Lord's body was laid in. Lydia, who was a seller of purple, some kind of special dye uh, that I understand came there in Europe and uh, it would color these garments for women, they loved purple and it was sold all over the world as a luxury item. And Lydia became a believer in Jesus Christ through the apostle Paul and she helped uh, really begin the gospel for Europe. The church was begun through this wealthy woman named Lydia. And as well, there were many women who apparently in following Jesus in his messianic ministry who supported him financially. So the Bible is is not against wealth. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. We have to use money. It's part of the system until we get to heaven and it's your attitude towards it that is most important. So let me read to you verses one through three. With this context, James now says, come now you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corrupted and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like a fire you have heaped up treasure in the last days. But the wrong kind of treasure. A treasure riches that will vanish. For nothing in this material world lasts forever. And he is saying to the Jewish community, you should be investing in treasures in heaven but you have not only invested and heaped up earthly treasures, you have loved them and you have given your heart only to them and now it's about all to be taken away. Now 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, I put this uh, scripture into your notes, so let's read this out loud together. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now this is Paul writing to his young protege, a young man named Timothy. And Timothy was kind of a timid fellow. He wasn't like Paul was all bold and powerful. So he says, Timothy, command those in your church. He was, Timothy was a pastor of Ephesus, a very central church there in Asia Minor. I want you to command those who are rich in this present age, don't be lifted up with pride that you are better than other people because of God entrusting you with this wealth, nor to trust in uncertain riches. In other words, if you have it and God has blessed you with it, that is good, but honor him and glorify him with it, and they are uncertain because if God gave, then God can also take away. Have you learned that uh, riches can't be trusted in? Have we learned that? Uncertain riches. But the living God, we can trust in him who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now James is also warning against what we would call hoarding. In fact, I think that's in the NIV what it actually, the word it uses. He says, don't hoard riches for the last days. The Last days meaning judgment is coming. You don't wanna stand before God and, and offer to him, hey, look at all the, you know, the riches that I have alone. You wanna invest in him.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching.
1: Our family loved Pastor Ray. He was witty, kind, and demonstrated completely what it was like to have a deep relationship with God. We are grateful that our family was able to come together at Maranatha Our lives will forever be changed because of Ray's powerful messages. We rejoice because we know Ray is in heaven.
0: Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: Now, let me also say this, and I put it into your notes. It is also true that there is nothing sinful about saving. And I know that some of you have a background that uh, you're more like engineers and you like to plan and you like to save and and I, I, I just want to reassure you that's okay. How many of you are planners and savers? Raise your hands. Okay, a lot of you. How many of you are like, eh, planning is a lot of bother, and just let's, let's see what happens. You kind of just go with the flow. All right. I'm with the second group. <laughs> and let me say on behalf of our, you know, kind of go with the flow group, thank God that there are some people who plan <laughs> and will save. And in fact, uh, there's several scriptures that talk about that this is a godly principle. 2 Corinthians 12:14. Let's read this. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. There's actually a biblical advice that parents have a responsibility of saving up and taking care of and providing for their children. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Let's read that. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Traditionally, we are responsible to care for our parents as they get older to provide for them and to take care of them uh, in their last years and their when they are elders and uh, interesting someone recently said in the financial world this last generation our parents or grandparents generation was really in human history and I'm talking in generalities Kind of the first generation that saved and planned little by little and then retired and it actually worked. And so then the next generation, the baby boomers that came along, it was kind of like, well, we expect, you know, it's it's all right. And then we saw things go down almost half and we saw that date we were looking to retire moved out to where, wow, it'll be over by the time that happens. What's going on? And uh, I think that it's very, very interesting, but that was what they were saying, is that that's an anomaly. Most of human history has not been able to have that luxury. We live in a very special and unique time. And even Jesus said in one of his parables, Matthew chapter 25, verse 27, let's read this scripture out loud. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Some of you are maybe in the finance uh, field or in the banking industry, Jesus is commending. He told the parable where, you know, one of the guys took his talents, dug a hole in the ground and buried it. And then gave an excuse, well, I was afraid and so I just buried it. And Jesus is saying, well, at least if you weren't gonna use the gifts and talents given to you, you could have at least lazily put it in the bank without doing anything, it would have returned some interest. And so the principle of saving and taking responsibility for what God has blessed you with is a principle that even Jesus would tell us is important. So saving is okay. But now look with me in verses four through six. James goes a little bit deeper. He says in verse four, indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on earth in, in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. I don't think he means literally they murdered them, but in essence, they had killed people's opportunity for a livelihood. And what he basically is saying is that you would have these day laborers. Now, let's say you're a wealthy guy and you own all these fields and vineyards. In those days, they had day laborers and day laborers wanted to be paid for every day they showed up and they worked. That was the deal. I don't know if you knew this, but even as we encourage everyone to read through the whole counsel of God, did you know that there is a law that God included? God had a lot of care and compassion for the poor. If you had fields, you couldn't glean the corners of your fields. You had to leave the corners for the poor people to come to eat a little bit so that they could live. But another interesting law said, by command of the Lord, if a man works for you or a woman works for you and a day, in that day, you need to pay them. You can't hold it off. Well, a lot of these wealthy guys would just go, eh, you know, I'm, I'm traveling or I'm busy or I don't. It doesn't, you know, their, their need is not my need. And so these poor guys, you know, they needed that that money to be able to go and get bread and feed their family either that night or early the next morning. They lived literally from day to day. But those who were so wealthy, they could be very, you know, lazy about it, casual about it, and they were wounding people and stumbling people, and some people lost, they'd lose everything in just a few days of not being paid, and maybe have to move and go poor and poor and poor. And so James is saying, you're killing them. You're wiping them out. So here, the the difference between hoarding and saving. I actually brought out my Webster's Dictionary and threw in uh, briefly what it says. It says to hoard usually means to store up well beyond one's current needs. On the other hand, to save means to rescue. Listen to this, this is right out of Webster's. To save means to rescue from danger, from harm or loss. I'm saving money so that I can save my family from danger, from harm, or from loss. That's okay. But to hoard where it's way more than you need. It's like Jesus said in the parable of the guy that he had barns and they were all filled with stuff. And he goes, well now what do I do? And he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down these barns and build bigger barns and fill it with more things. And the Lord came to that man that night and said, thou fool, this night your soul is required of you and none of that you can take with you into the kingdom, and you have lost everything, including your soul. So it's a very, very serious thing. These wealthy were hoarding grain, they were hoarding gold, they were hoarding garments, they withheld payment from day laborers, they were selfish. And it's just tragic uh, what was happening at that particular time. Now listen, when James wrote this 2,000 years ago to the Jewish nation under Rome, here's, here's what is the clincher for me. Less than 10 years after James wrote this letter, less than 10 years, Israel lost everything. They lost their nation. They lost their businesses. They lost their homes. They lost their city. They lost their temple. They lost everything. Less than 10 years later. No doubt there were those who listened to James, they said, oh man, these prophets are always cranky. Why are they always giving us bad news? Well, sometimes because that wake up call is actually the love of God. It's important to hear not only what God says, but the tone in which he says it. And a lot of people misinterpret what God says. They think he's angry or abusive because in their upbringing or past. They've had human beings that were angry and abusive. No. From Genesis 1:1 to the end of Revelation, the tone with which God speaks is never abusive. He gets all the full range of emotions from the heights of joy to the depths of sorrow to, yes, anger. But, but anger is not wrong. It's just an emotion of warning like, don't let this happen. Listen to me. It's a wake-up call. So it's like danger when you get angry. It's within our system, it's like something is really terribly wrong. It's to wake you up. But they wouldn't listen. They had a deaf ear, no, 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 no. We want things are gonna be always this way. Well, things are not always gonna be this way. And I believe that here for us, the body of Christ, we have a unique opportunity in this season. I believe that we have something far better to do. And that is to recognize Everything that we have is from the Lord. It's given from the Lord. Sometimes we forget. We thought it was ours, but in fact, it's the Lord's. Whatever we have been given is a gift. Do you use that gift for God's glory or do you use it for your own? I love 1 Corinthians four verse seven. Let's read this scripture out loud together. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? What's the answer to the question, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. Everything I have and everything you have, you received it. From who? From God. As a child of God, that's what we are able to recognize. The world doesn't always understand that. They go, no, I made it. I'm smart. I know how to make money. I did this. What they don't realize is, who made you smart? Who gave you that talent? Where'd you get that ability? And if you don't see past yourself and think it's all about you, and I'm sure you have seen this, you've seen people that have a great personality, they're extremely talented, they're an entertainer, maybe they're a musician, or they've got a gift, or an athlete, or whatever, and and it's amazing. And I love when I see someone that is extraordinarily gifted or talented that is humble. Isn't that a blessing to see somebody that does stand out and it's like, wow, there's almost nobody that can do what you can do, and yet they're humble about it. I love to hear them say, I don't even know exactly how I do it. Yeah, I have a gift and I've worked on it, but I don't even know sometimes how I do it. I just can do it, but to God be the glory. He's given it to me. I want to be a vessel through which you can bless in difficult days and troubled times, be a blessing. And if you would be willing this day, through this message of James, to say, Lord, I just want to acknowledge what's already true, that I own nothing. I am your steward. I am an overseer of all that you've given to me. And I believe that God will surprise many of us and bring gifts and blessings and riches and means and resources that will blow your mind. You go, where did that come from? It's not because you're so cute and smart. It's because you have a good daddy in heaven who loves you and trusts you. And now he can be a blessing to others, amen?
0: Pastor Ray Bentley with great insight on God's care for us and how that should impact the way we live. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Patience is Perfect. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word MEDIA, and you'll see the words WATCH, RADIO, and DEVO, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at RayBentley.com. His final book, As the Days of Noah, is a prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world.